Hey everyone, before this episode begins, I would just like to apologize in advance for the audio quality. With COVID-19 requiring social distancing, I'm not able to use my recording equipment with guests in person. However, I still wanted to be able to produce episodes for you to listen to, especially since we are all bored at home. With that being said, this is the best I can get the audio without recording in person. I hope these more relaxed episodes will still bring a little light into your day. Remember to stay safe and wash your hands and stay six feet apart. Enjoy! Welcome and thank you for listening to This Little Light of Mine. My name is Lauren and you are listening to a series on formative stories that build people into who they are that will hopefully bring a little light into your day. Today I am joined with Maggie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Hi. Maggie is a sophomore in high school and enjoys performing in theater and playing volleyball with her friends. So Maggie, um, your story uh, is all about your dad. So will you just kind of go from the beginning and take us through it? Um, Yeah, of course. So when I was in fifth grade in 2015, um, my dad took his life and, you know, it was, it was pretty big on all of us. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids. I have three little brothers um, and they're now 13, 12, and nine. And like now my mom is remarried and I have two step siblings, but Around that time, my parents were separated or going to get divorced, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. quite finalized yet. Sure. And how old were you around this time? I was, I had just turned 11 two weeks before. So So, your parents are starting to go through a separation and that obviously just by itself can kind of take a toll on um, a family's mental health, especially for the kids. Um, And so I'm sure that that affected you alone, but obviously it kind of um more things happened after that that were uh bigger and probably made a bigger imprint on your life oh yeah I mean I remember when they told me I wasn't necessarily upset for a second for a couple of seconds I was shocked but then it all made sense like mm-hmm. my parents didn't seem to love each other like a married couple anymore sure. and well I was okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be better for my family. This was going to be better for them. We were all going to be happier. And yeah. I think that we definitely were after that. Mm-hmm. So even at 11 years old, you were able to have a very uh, mature um, look on your parents' divorce, which, um, like, I congratulate you on that because I think that that's a big issue with divorce is the children um, don't totally understand it, but it seemed like you were able to take it pretty healthily. Yeah. Yeah. And so that made it easier. Um, So after they announced that we moved in with our grandpa in Provo, my mom, my brothers and I, um, in February 2000, dating Annabelle, um, who's a flight attendant. So she was in, she lived in San Diego, but she was stationed in Salt Lake so she would fly to Salt Lake and then go wherever she had to go from Mm -hmm. but we didn't meet her until November 2014 um so then at some point in early 2015 my dad moved into not like like just kind of a crappy sketchy apartment 
place like it was safe but it just wasn't very like well kept it wasn't very sure. clean yeah but yeah I mean like we were kind of poor and that was all we could really afford mm-hmm. so he moved in with there with my um with Annabelle and then we moved at the end of 2015 we moved into our grandpa's house in Provo with my mom my brother mm-hmm. my brothers and me um and then we got our first dog over the summer and he was just a sweetie and he, he and my dad got like extremely close yeah so then on October 31st on Halloween I was being dropped off at my mom's house to go trick or treating and usually I would just kind of run in the house and say bye I love you but your dad was dropping you off yeah mhm so he was dropping me and my brothers off and normally I would just run in and kind of wave and be like I love you I'll see you soon but I as I was doing that, I stopped and mm-hmm. I turned around and I walked back and he got out, he was out of the car waving and I went over and gave him a hug and I was like, I love you. And so he, something in you knew something. Some, um, yeah. I don't you know what that it was. was. I, yeah. I definitely didn't know what it was at the time, but there was something that was like, go back to him. Mm-hmm. Cause did you have any idea that your um, dad was struggling with, with mental illness and with suicidal thoughts at that point? Or was it pretty oh, no, um, it out was, of the blue? It was definitely out of the blue, but it also made sense at the same time. Like afterwards you were kind of like, after reading the letters and, mm-hmm. you know, in hindsight, it makes sense sort of, I mean, not that can, that kind of a situation can never truly make sense, but in hindsight, you had a better understanding I mean yeah like I remember um you know we would go to this skating rink we had summer passes and we would go every single week and you know he was always going out of our way to do fun things for us always like you know coming out of his room and playing video games with us and like movie Mm -hmm. nights and making these great fantastic dinners like getting us a dog so I think it was him, in a way, trying to make the best memories with us before he (laughs) left. Sure. But to me, I thought it was because, you know, he was healthy and he just wanted to do those things because he wanted to be with us, not so we would have something to remember, you know? Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. So... Then, on November 2nd, at about 12.30 in the morning, um, I was trying to fall asleep in, in my mom's house, and I heard screaming. And I didn't exactly get it at first. I knew that my mom's best friend was with her. Um, they were editing a wedding video together they were videographers and they worked together mm-hmm. and I thought that they had invited a f- another friend over and they were playing games because it wasn't out of the usual for them to be staying up late goofing around yeah sure but then it, it just started getting louder and more intense and it wasn't stopping and I was like what is going on Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like they were just playing a game. It seemed like actually something something you know, was wrong. Something was wrong. Yeah. 
and I, I was scared. And usually, like, up until that night, I was, like, anything my parents said, I would do it right away. You know, like, I was very obedient. Even if mm-hmm. I wanted to know what was going on, I would just do what they said and leave. Sure. But I left my room, and I looked down, because I'm on the second floor, and I look down the stairs, and I see my mom on her hands and knees um, just screaming and crying. Yeah. And there are two men in the door who have weird uniforms on. Later, I found out they were the detectives. Mm-hmm. And my mom's best friend, Mimi, just looking down. Everyone was looking down at her. And I, I didn't understand what she was saying. And uh-huh. um, my grandpa was across the hall from me. So he came out and he was like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's going Like, I don't know what's going on. And my mom turned around and she looked at me and she said, Maggie, go back to bed. And my grandpa, as I was leaving, he grabbed me and he said, go down there and see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I was going to just be like, no, like, it's none of my business. And then I realized, like, what my mom was saying. She was screaming, he's dead, he's dead. It's not true. Like, he can't be Mm -hmm. dead. He killed himself. And, like, she was in total denial, total, like, wreck. And I just started walking down the stairs, and it felt like everything Mm -hmm. was moving in slow motion. Like, I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. And You're still 11 years old at this point? Yeah. So when they first separated, it was in 2013, and that was when Mm -hmm. I was nine. So this is two years later. Yeah. I just bring up your age, because that is such... I mean, at any age, it doesn't really matter. That is a a terrifying experience. But especially to still be at that age where... Um, you know, you don't totally understand and, and you aren't really able to kind of hang out with the adults as much. It's, um, I think in all of these different kinds of situations, part of the scariest thing is, is just not knowing what is going on, especially for kids. Um, so I really sympathize with you there because it's just, I can imagine how scary that would be to only be hearing little bits and pieces and not really knowing the full story. Yeah, it's definitely scary. Like, you know, anytime seeing your mom or your dad cry like and letting their guard down and being so vulnerable when they're the one who's supposed to be you know comforting you and being Mm -hmm. there for you and so it was very shocking it yeah it always makes me really upset to see my Mm -hmm. mom crying for sure because because I don't know what to do like I'm not Mm -hmm. I'm not the mom but I want to do something like I know I have to do something of course you do. You just, I mean, in that situation, you just want to be a helper. You want to, you know, do everything you can to help your mom. No one wants to see their mom crying. Yeah. It, it was, it was really upsetting. So um, I was walking down the stairs and my mom's best friend came over and threw me over her shoulder. And we went downstairs into the basement, into my mom's room and just got under the covers and she started crying and I was just looking up at the ceiling, trying to cry, but not exactly. I was making crying sounds, but there were no tears coming out of my eyes because I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. When someone mm-hmm. dies, when your dad dies, you cry. But I just, I was too shocked. I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. So it was really upsetting. I felt I felt like I was a bad person. For not being able to feel the same emotions as your mom's friend was. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, eventually you were told of the whole situation and you realized that your um, dad had uh, committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the following year in 2016, uh, your family moved to Orem and you started at a new school. So a little less than a year had passed at this point. And of, of course it would, it takes everybody different amounts, but a year is really fast to be able to, um, get over, I guess, that kind of a situation or, um, be able to reflect on that situation and not burst out in crying and tears. Um, so you talk a little bit about your experience of, of being in a new school and dealing with, um, your dad's passing as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the year before, it was really easy for me to just forget. Mm-hmm. I was always surrounded by these great, wonderful friends. Like, I remember after when when I was still out of school, after they um, got out of school, they waited on my corner of my neighborhood with blankets and cards and, you know, little treats for me for hours. And this is in the middle of November, and, like, they were only wearing these little thin jackets and they were there for hours waiting for me to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were definitely having community support, which is, it's great. I think in all of these kinds of traumatic situations and any sort of a situation that I've talked mm-hmm. about on my podcast before, um, something that is very prevalent and continuous is the fact that um, communities really do come together. And it it's horrible that we sort of need a a tragic situation to have a community come together but it's also um kind of a beautiful thing that as a society we can join together to help those who have been hurt yeah so it was definitely a shock when I moved and no one knew what I'd gone through um you know except for the staff there I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't have those strong connections to anyone anymore except for my friends back in Provo but I couldn't see them every day like I used to yeah. And that was really hard. Like I mm-hmm. I remember telling the people in my class for the first time and I was just crying. Like it it was really hard. I didn't have anyone. I didn't have any distractions. I would just be in the middle of, you know, like being taught math and I would just start crying and I would have to leave. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that was the, you hadn't, you hadn't been able to cry when it initially happened because you were so much in shock. So it was almost like you were now crying and you were now able to kind of process through those emotions. Yeah. That's when I really like, it's weird to think that there was a point where he was alive, but it's also weird to think like now he's not here, Mm -hmm. which are both completely different thoughts, but they're both equally shocking to me. And sometimes I'll just think about it and I just start crying and you know, it's definitely hard because obviously you're going to outlive your parents, but he wasn't even 40 at that point. He mm-hmm. was so incredibly young and didn't realize how many lives he touched. But yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, um, you said to me that you've been able to gain strength and not be as upset as much, but um, sometimes you just really need to have a day where you can get a good cry and remember your dad. And so you're able to listen to songs that remind um, you of him or, and watch old home videos of you guys together. And I think that that sounds like a, 
a, a really great thing that you've been able to find a coping mechanism and you mm-hmm. um, are able to understand yourself enough that you know, okay, today I, I need to feel sad about this. Today I'm allowing myself to un- go through these emotions. And um, I think that's obviously, it's very healthy to be able to go through your emotions and it's not safe in any way to just not allow yourself to cry about it. So I applaud you on being able to figure out your own kind of system that has helped you get through it. Yeah, I I mean, like, I remember Annabelle always telling me, I can't believe how strong you guys are. Like, you know, we, me and my brothers, we went through it together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of, like, kind of in a way I can turn it on and off. Like, or when I know something is going to make me sad, I'm not going to, like, try and shove those feelings away. I just let it happen. Because sometimes sure. I I don't think about him every day you know he crosses my mind but I don't sit and I don't think and wallow in those feelings because I need to I need to be happy for him and for me I can't let it always ruin my day but sometimes Mm -hmm. like it's not always a bad day when I'm sad about it it's just a day where I need to let those feelings out and Mm -hmm. well because you can also um you know, remember the, the fun times that you had with your dad, you know, you had talked about how before your dad's passing, he had been extra fun with you guys and done extra activities. And so you're able to, you know, kind of remember those in your dad's memory, as well as being able to go through the emotions of dealing with your father's death. Yeah. So you told me that you recently wrote a play for your theater class about what had happened the night your dad died so will you kind of tell me a little bit about that play and um how that's helped you yes um so I was just told to write a 10 minute play for my theater class and I was like that immediately came to my mind I was like why not write about this because I mean everything that happened that night all the big events probably happened in the span of 10 minutes so Uh I um, I wrote about it from my point of view, but I changed everyone's names. So it was like sure. my character, I guess, um, would uh-huh. go in and out of the story um, to narrate, but also to play her part, if that makes sense. Yeah. So No, that's awesome. Yeah. So I did that, and I feel like it was an emotional experience for me to... Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that night so vividly, but to put it into words and, like, you know, if I were ever to see it up on a stage, it would just, it would be really yeah. intense. But I think uh-huh. it's helped me kind of put out in words exactly what happened. So. Mm-hmm. Coming from a, like, theater arts background myself, like, it's very apparent that um, plays and, and arts in general can really help people get through different um, times in their life and different griefs. And I think that it's just amazing that you were able to recognize that and use the arts to help you um, process and, and see the story through another uh, point of view. So let me ask you this. So what, if you could go back and talk to yourself on that night, or if you could talk to another child who has lost a parent to suicide um, what would you say to yourself or that other child? Um, I would say it's not your fault. There is something wrong in their brain 
that makes them sick. And that doesn't mean that they love you any less. It doesn't mean that they wanted to leave you. They were just too sick and they didn't talk about it with Mm -hmm. anyone. And I think that's definitely the key is to talk about it. So if you ever have those feelings, go to talk to someone about it because, you know, that's what would have saved them. For sure. Um, to ask you one last question throughout this, uh, that kind of dark night on your life. Um, what is one light that has come out of, uh, your process of grieving your father? Um, it sucks to lose a parent. It, yeah. it really does suck. And I would not ever wish it upon any person. It's, it, it causes so much pain, but I think something that has come out of it is you know, like, I appreciate everyone so much. I appreciate every moment that I have with someone because I, you know, that last hug, that last time I went over to him made such a difference. You know, like, I can say mm-hmm. that I went over and the last time I saw him was good. I told him that I loved him and I gave him a hug. And some people can't say that. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, being being able to appreciate every moment I have with someone and, you know, being able to be aware that these kinds of things happen. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, um, before I end, I would like to say that if you um, are struggling with your mental health or suicidal thoughts, I encourage you to call the um, suicidal lifeline. They provide 24 seven free and confidential support for people in distress and prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones. And the number can be found at 1-800-273-8255. Well, thank you so much, Maggie, for joining me today and sharing your story. I think it's one that is uh, very, very important to talk about. Um, Thank you to the audience for choosing to tune in, and I hope you will join us next time to hear another formative story. This has been This Little Light of Mine with Lauren.